0: you in a Messiah? Cheap? Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. If people want a high-priced watch or a high-priced handbag but don't want to pay a high price for it, there's always someone on a virtual street corner selling the phony goods or the phony God, as we'll learn from the Apostle John today. The real Jesus demands everything of us. Is it any wonder that some shoppers are looking for an affordable alternative? But Jim says, accept no substitutes. Beware of the Antichrists.
1: Turn in your Bibles, please. I hope you brought your copy of God's Word with you. You dare not leave home without it. We're living in a day of such deception. You need to know what the Word of God says. and You don't want to trust your memory. You want to have your copy of the Word of God handy. 1 John chapter 2. That's what John said. 1 John chapter 2. Look with me, please, at verse 18, 1 John, chapter 2, verse 18. John writes, little children, it is the last time. He wrote that almost 2,000 years ago. If it was the last of the times, when he wrote, what time do you think it is now on God's prophetic clock? My little children, he says, it is the last time, and as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they are not All of us. How are we going to tell if they're of us, or from us, or with us, or against us? Chapter 1, please. Verse 5. Chapter 1, verse 5. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him, that's of the Lord Jesus Christ, and declare unto you, God is light in Him, there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and He is the propitiation, the satisfaction for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. My brothers and sisters, you commit those words to memory, use them as a litmus test, and you will never be led into the doctrine of the Antichrist. You take the courage this morning, believe that this is the truth of God, raw, pure truth. And you exercise the courage of applying that litmus test in those verses to all the isms around you. And You will know what is light and what is darkness. You will know what is truth, what is error. As we study the passage, it becomes intently personal, though. We're not here this morning to check the systems of theology that swirl around us. We are here to check out our own hearts to see if we indeed are walking in the truth, in the light of what God has revealed to be true. John is concerned. There some folks who used to be part of the fellowship part of the believing community, and they have left their faith, moved out into other systems of belief, and now they are trying to convince others to follow them. John, without apology, calls them antichrists. Now understand, there will be an antichrist, the antichrist. But John reminds us in chapter 4, the first several verses, that there are many antichrists, many antichrists. An antichrist is not necessarily someone who is fighting Christians or believers. An antichrist is a substitute Christ. You're going to laugh when I tell you this, but I'm very serious. I'm impressed that there are a lot of people who think Elvis is the Christ. I'm serious. Very serious. He represents to them a spirit of hope, peace, uh, and acceptance with their failures as humans. He represents as good as it's ever going to get for them. I was reading the other day in the paper that his body was lying just a few days in a mausoleum, and the proprietors of the mausoleum expect now to sell that space at a phenomenal amount of money, $800,000. Now, who would pay 100,000 dollars for a slab of cement to, to put your body when you're gone? Well, somebody who thinks that there's magic in that space. There are many antichrists. Some people look to Washington and hope that Washington can get us out of our situation. Now that's the spirit of antichrist. Anti meaning in the place of or substitute for. Christ meaning Messiah. Now The word Christ or Messiah comes from the Bible. It's, it's God promising that he will raise up One who will lead the people, lead the world into an experience of peace, joy, happiness, fullness. And as John says, there are many philosophies, many theories abroad in the world when he was writing these words. People who had a different Christ that they were promoting as being the true Christ. People who had a different system or idea for how they would make the world eventually better. All of that is anti-Christ. It is substituting some other person or system or idea in the place of the promised Christ who is prophesied by God in the pages of Scripture. Now, the thing that makes this very difficult for John and for us is that these folks are fine people. They once were among us, John says. They they once sat beside us. They once contributed to the offerings. They once uh, sang in the choir. They were once ushers. But they left us, and now they have found something better than the old-fashioned gospel of Jesus Christ. How are we going to distinguish between what those fine people are teaching and dogmatizing, believing, and what the truth is? Well, that's why John wrote this little epistle. Last Sunday, we started with John demonstrating that he is fully qualified to speak The truth, he was with Jesus, authorized by Jesus, one of the twelve, had mother Jesus, human mother Mary, in his home as his guest for the last days and years of her life. So John is qualified to write, and John says, when you boil it all down, here's what the life and teaching of Jesus means. This is the message, verse 5, chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message. This is the summation. This is the bottom line of the whole life and ministry of Jesus Christ. What is it? God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Now, you notice that's not a message that John thought up. John says this was delivered. This is the message which we have heard of him. John didn't think this up, dream this up, Work this up. This is something that came down out of the heavens in the person of Jesus Christ and was articulated by Jesus Christ in his life, what he did, in his words, what he said. What's the bottom line? The God who created all things is different than any other God conceived by human mind. He is above unique, holy, God is light, in him is no darkness at all. What a shattering declaration in the Roman and Greek worlds. For all of their gods, which were thought up by their leaders, all of their gods were flawed, human, sinful. You read the, ex, the exploits and, the, and, the, and the, the things that the gods of the Romans and the gods that the pagans worshipped, the Greeks, you read the kinds of things they did and the kinds of, they're terribly immoral, terribly vulgar, crude. Why? Because the human minds who conceived them could only conceive them through human experience. And all of us as humans sin. Therefore, if the gods are like us, they have to be just expanded or enlarged copies of ourselves. And they, therefore, will have the same faults in them, the pagan gods, that we find in us mere mortals. With a blinding flash of light and with a clap of thunder, Jesus announced God, the true God, isn't like that. He is absolutely above and beyond all evil. Therefore, the character of God becomes the litmus test by which all other teachings and teachers and systems that claim to bring people to God, all of them can now be tested against that absolute, that unswerving, unchanging fact. God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. Well, where then does the darkness come from? If it doesn't come from God, And one of the great problems that godly thinkers have pondered is how could a good God who is only light and always light create darkness and evil? How could he do that? How could a God of love allow suffering and pain in his world? Is he in control or isn't he? Is he God or isn't he? If he is, why is evil and darkness and pain permeating his world? That question goes to the heart of opening every system of religion, every sect, every philosophy that you're going to face. It basically asks the question, what do you think of God and how unique is he in your system? And tell me about man. And what's his key problem? Now John then takes us through a series of tests, depending upon you line them up. There's there's three or there's five. You make your own list. We'll look at them briefly, and then we're going to take a look at how the God who is light answers these truths, these realities in the human condition. Now notice with me, please, let's start with verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now the root problem is darkness, sin. And what this verse suggests is There are people who deny that they have sin in themselves. See it? If we say we have no sin, that is, within us there is no sin, then we're deceiving ourselves. That's what the Bible says. All of us are born sinners. That means more than the fact that we do sinful things. All of us are born male, female. Those are different ways of being human. A male doesn't act like a female or shouldn't, and a female doesn't act like a male or shouldn't. God established those two distinct differences. Now, when a male does what a male is supposed to do, he is being male, but what he does flows out of what he is. A sinner commits sins because he is a sinner, not because society around him causes him to sin. Not because he doesn't have enough education to know the difference. Not because he doesn't have enough economic resources to change himself. He sins because he is a sinner. The root problem is I am full of darkness. God is light in him is no darkness at all. I am darkness, in me there is no light at all. You deny that, and you're just deceiving yourself. You're refusing to face the truth. The truth is not in you, or in us, or in any body of believers who call men essentially good. That's the first test. I was reading recently in Time Magazine a very impressive article about a whole system of religion and a whole church, church put that in quotes, church that's called the Latter-day Saints. In the article, in bold print, it says, the Mormon faith does not believe in original sin and the depravity of the human heart. Okay, what does that tell us about the Mormon faith? Is it of Christ or Antichrist? Antichrist, period. They're deceiving themselves. Now, what's the next test? Look at verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, that means... if we we say that we have not expressed sin in conduct, thought, character, then we make him a liar. The him there is God. We're calling God a liar. God says, all have sinned. You say, I have not sinned. You are saying, God is a liar. And... His word is not in us. That is the revelation, the understanding, the knowledge, the truth about yourself that God has declared is not operative in you. I have not sinned. Now this cuts two ways. First, it cuts in relationship to people who are not Christians and who redefine sin and say they do not they do not need a savior, they do not need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because they pay their taxes, they're good people, they're moral people. They're surely better than some who go to church. Therefore, they have not sinned in such a way as to incur the wrath of God. God owes them whatever salvation He has on their terms because they merit it. Therefore, they don't need the gospel of Jesus Christ. But there's also a more subtle form of this same denial. And that's the body of Christians, people who preach and teach and understand the Bible to be the word of God, yet they claim that through a mystic experience, they have come to a state in life where they are perfect, where they no longer do sin. They do the same thing that the unsaved perfectionist does. They redefine sin. They express a different definition they lose their cool and say some unkind things. Ah, you say that's anger? No, that's righteous indignation. No, it's really anger. It's really anger. And what you find if you brush up close to these dear friends is a is a degree of icy um, legalism. They have gone through all the possible activities, categorized those that are really sin-sin and those that are not quite as bad. And they will allow themselves and permit themselves some of the things over here. Pride, gossip, on the list goes. But the grosser things, the things that we would all more generally jump on, drunkenness, those kinds of things, Those things they have overcome. Now, now hear the test. If we say we have not sinned, we have not committed sin, we're calling God a liar. His truth is not in us. Now, go back, please, back up to verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. We are liars. God is light. Anything less than light in my conduct and in my heart disqualifies me from being in fellowship with God, sharing with God. The darkness in my conduct, the deeds that I do that are wrong and not like God, Belie my claim to fellowship with God.
0: The capital A Antichrist is just the prime manifestation of a spirit that seeks to replace the real Christ with a counterfeit. Many Antichrists have come, John warned, and some are pretty obvious, but others are more subtle. We want to test the spirits to find out what they say about the character of God and the nature of man. Jim's sermon is called Beware of the Antichrists. The whole message can be yours on CD for a gift of $7 or more. There are only three sermons on CD in our collection called We Can Know Some Things For Sure, and that little album is yours for an offering of $15 or more. It's always nice to hear from listeners, for any reason. Whether you'd like to donate to the needs of Right Start or to ask for prayer for your needs or to give us a word of encouragement, please consider joining us in our mission of spreading the word by praying or giving. We need your support. Here's how to reach us. You can call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800 984 2313 Or mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Please do one of those and visit our website, rightstartradio.org. You can play the radio shows there or follow the link to sign up for the Right Start podcast. That will bring the show to you every day. But right there on our site, you can hear or download Pastor Jim's complete sermons. You can donate securely online and even email us. So come by soon, rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. Lost people confused about the nature of God and the nature of man is one thing. Christians confused is another. The Apostle John will straighten us out if you'll join us tomorrow for Wednesday's Right Start. Oh,